Well, it's good, be, good to be back tonight, and yes, that peach wave was good, and uh, uh, it was great. Uh, I forgot to get the directions to it, and I think I'm going to wind up taking Mrs. Titus there before it's all over with. And uh, I talked a little bit about it in the car, and uh, she said, mm, honey, you're making me think about ice cream. And, uh, but I think she did get an ice cream bar or something from, it was a little Sitco station or something up here, so <laughs> it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. Amen. Well, I've had an exciting time. It's been great. It's been great. And I want to say something, and I'm not going to wait until the last night, but you, uh, dear folk here, are some great uh, individuals, great people to preach to, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I love to be around people who love preaching or love the Word of God. Uh, not only do they love the Word of God, but they, uh, they put it, they apply it to their lives. And they just want to be uh, what God wants them to be. And that's what revival is all about. Getting back, getting on fire again for God. And uh, it was exciting this morning in, uh, in, uh, uh, in chapel to see the young people respond. And Brother uh, Bloom, I'm praying that they will respond tomorrow and Thursday. And I'm going to work on them until they do respond. And uh, just to see God move on a group of young people. It was a blessing uh, this morning. But church tonight, I want to work on you a little bit. I want to work on you a little bit. And uh, we're living in a stress-crazy world. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. We know why things are the way they are. And, uh, uh, but nevertheless, that does not relieve the burden. If you want to see a revival, there are some things that are going to have to happen. I told you I would not preach from Second Chronicles 7.14. I will preach around it and so forth. I will preach uh, some of the principles of Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. But tonight I want to come from First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. I said we're living in a stress-crazy world. A lot of the stress that we are dealing with, we are manufacturing it. We are carrying it around on our backs, on our shoulders. And uh, Peter uh, talks here in Second Peter uh, chapter 5. He tells us how to deal with some of the stress and some of the concerns and some of the cares that you have. Look with me at verse number 6. Second Peter chapter, I mean, First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. He said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting, what's the next word? All. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Now, what, do you, what is Peter saying here? Peter is telling us here that there are some things in life that God never intends for you to care around. There are some things that God just said, listen, I don't want you carrying them. You cast them on me and I will take care of it. And yet, church, you know something? Practically every day of our lives, we are carrying things around. We are trying to deal with things that God says, hey, listen, drop them at my feet. Let me deal with them. You can't deal with them. You're talking about a stress-crazy world. How much stress are you adding to yourself? There are just some things that God doesn't want you to carry around. But then on the other hand, there are some things that God's going to let you deal with. There's some things he's going to let you deal with. Tonight, I want to talk about those things that God does not expect you to deal with and if you try to deal with them I can tell you I can promise you what's going to happen 
you're going to stress yourself out over them. And some of the things that you're going to stress yourself out over are small, insignificant things, but you're still bothered by them. Sometimes you go to bed with them. Sometimes you wake up with them. Sometimes you even come. This is the one that gets me, Dr. Bloom. Sometimes we come to the altar. We have an altar call. You come to the altar. You said, I'm going to, I'm going to leave all my cares here with the Lord. I'm going to just leave, leave my burdens here with the Lord. Um, I, I, I want God to know what they are. And so what we do, we come to the altar. I'm going to borrow one of your offering plates. And these, these are my cares. Can I borrow you for a second, young man? Okay. I promise you, I won't ask you to put any money in this. Okay. I won't ask you to take any out either. Okay. Huh? And sometimes we come to the altar with our cares. And we say, we're going to leave them with the Lord. Let's kneel down here together. Okay. We're going to leave our cares here, okay? Now, we're going to get up from the altar after we finish praying. You grab a hold of that. And we just said we had given given them to the Lord. Hold tight. And here's what we do with our cares. We say, God, here are our cares, but I'm going to take them back. You take them, I'm going to take them back. And what do we do? We carry our cares and our concerns. Thank you, sir. Carry our, our cares and our concerns right back to our seats, right back home. And we get up the next morning and said, man, I went to the altar last night with my cares, but why do I still have them? Dumb, you brought them back with you. Huh? You brought them back with you. And how many times have you come to an altar with concerns that you want God to deal with and you only introduce God to the problem? How can God deal with the problem that you only introduce him to, but you're going to carry it back with you? Peter said, cast your, all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. If I'm understanding what Peter said, when you have problems that you can't deal with or that God doesn't want you to deal with, one thing you need to remember, God is only a prayer away. He's only a prayer away. He's only a bit knee away. He's only about 18 inches from hearing you. Huh? You see what he said? So why don't we cast our cares on the Lord? Why don't we just take those things that are burdening us down? I think sometimes we like to be like the turtle. And carry our cares around on our back. Peter said, cast all of them upon the Lord. Let's look at some tonight. Let's look at some tonight. Some of the cares that God wants you to cast on him. First of all, if you're going to cast your cares on him, verse 6 says you must humble yourself. Humble yourself. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean to humble ourselves? Humbling ourselves simply means that we need to go to God and say, God, I cannot handle this. God, I cannot deal with this. God, I've tried to deal with this, and I can't deal with it. And it's affected my life. It's affected my spirituality. It's affected my walk with you. And God, I just can't deal with it. And I don't know what to do. He said, listen, I told you to cast all your cares. This is not one of the things I want you to deal with. He said, I want you to cast your cares, uh, cast your cares on me. But first of all, we need to humble ourselves. Humbling ourselves means totally trusting God with the problem. Totally trusting God with the problem. Isn't it amazing to say we trust in God, but when it comes to certain things, we can't trust Him with them? Isn't it amazing? But church, yet we say we want revival. Hey, listen, you want revival. If revival is going to come in your heart, if revival is going to come in this church, it's going to be a Holy Ghost sent revival, but you've got to trust Him. I want Him to send it. Do you want Him to send it? 
Are you willing to humble yourself and say, there are some things probably in my life that is stopping revival from coming, and tonight I'm going to humble myself. God, I'm going to turn them over to you, and I'm going to just walk and let you and let my life be what you want it to be, and not one burden down with problems. Huh? Not one burden down with problems. Huh? He said, listen, cast them at my feet. I can tell you one thing about the God that I serve. The God that I serve can take any problem that you have and handle it perfectly. He can deal with it perfectly. He can take a problem that if I hang on to it any length of time, I'm going to make a mess of it. You should preach how you know that. He took a messed up life and made something out of it. And like the, like the, like the song said, I'm glad that he didn't throw the, 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 the marred clay away. Jeremiah talks about that. I'm glad he didn't throw it away. I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ back in 1982 got a hold of this life and made it something that he could use. Could use it. Why? Because I was carrying around tons of problems, uh, tons of burden, tons of care, and I was ready to give up. I was ready to give up. Huh? Even when I, could, when I, was, uh, I was called into the pastorate and so forth, sometimes the problems with things begin to mount up and begin to mount up and begin to mount up and fear and frustration begin to build up. And I said, man, what's the use? And I thought about what Lord David said when he went down in the valley of Eli where the guys were fighting. He said, is there not a cause? I was carrying burdens that I didn't need to carry. Huh? Church tonight, I think I'm talking to some people that might be dealing with something that God said, I don't want you to deal with that. Huh? I want you to cast those cares upon me. Let me deal with them. Pastor, what kind of cares do we often find ourselves dealing with? Well, let me just tell you the kind that I found myself dealing with. I found myself dealing with sometimes people problems. Now, I know down here in Florida, you never have people problems. <laughs> you never have people problems. But I found myself having some people problems. And I tried to deal with those people problems the way that I thought I could handle it. And the more I tried, the worse the situation got. The worse it got. And I said, surely I can handle this. And surely I couldn't handle it. And church tonight, I want to tell you something about people problems. People problem will stop you from serving God. People problem will cause you to take your eyes off of God and start watching people. Start watching people. You don't believe so, just keep your ears to the wall every now and then. Huh? Most of what you hear will be people talking about other people. Hmm? I don't like this one. I don't like this one. This one thinks she's all of that. This one thinks they are this. This one try to be this. this and, and, hey, wait a minute. Huh? That's not your concern. Not your concern. But that's a problem that we have. And oftentimes, church, when you start having problems, people problems, and so forth, hey, listen, your mind is taken off the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? You know what I want my mind? You know where I want my mind to stay? I want my mind to stay on serving God. I want my mind to stay on being faithful and true to the Word of God. I want my mind to stay based on what the Bible says. I want perfect peace in my life that when Almighty God looks down, He sees that, hey, listen, here's a man who is at perfect peace. Here's a, here's a man who has victory in his life. Why? Because his mind, according to Isaiah 26, 3, his mind is stayed on thee. 
My mind can't be stayed on. Your mind can't be stayed on God if your mind is always on someone else. If you're trying to solve their problems. If you're trying to tell them what to do. Hey, wait a minute. Why don't we just let God do that? Why don't we let the word of God instruct us into what we want to be? You say you want revival, I want revival. Well, God, how can I get it? First of all, I got to cast those people problems on you. I got to cast those people problems on you. How many do you have? All of them. Some of you, some of you, listen to me, who are still in the working world. Praise God, I'm retired from the working world. So far, I'm working full time now for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't plan on retiring from that. When I retire from that, I want to be walking the golden streets of glory. I plan on preaching until I can't preach anymore. My wife said, are you going to stop when you get 70? Of course not. That's only two years from now. I'll feel like an old man. Sometimes I feel like one anyway. But as long as God can use me, I want to be used. But I know I'm going to have people problems. And I know if I try to deal with them, they're going to lead me somewhere that God doesn't want me to be. Because it won't be long before I won't be just trying to talk with them. I'll be gossiping about them. That's a bad word. Gossiping about them. I'll be finding fault in these people. The same people that God created. Mm-hmm. Uh, am, I, am, I, am I ruffling in the feathers yet? Uh, we have people problems. Some of you have problems with your boss down at work. Your boss may not be a Christian, but you are. You're claiming to be. Don't expect him to act like one, but expect yourself to act like one. Paul told the church at, uh, at, at Ephesus how, to, how uh, servants are to respond to their masters. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we try to change them. How about marital problems, spouse problems? Huh? I know no one in this church try, has ever tried to change their spouse. I know husbands, you haven't tried to change your wife to make her what you want her to be. I know wives, you haven't tried to change your husband to make him what you want him to be. I know that. I can tell by the way you're looking at me. Huh? And yet sometime in the house, sparks fly. Huh? Sometimes they fly to such a to such a, a, a to such an extent that hey, listen, you don't know whether Christians live in the house or whether there's a bunch of heathens there. Huh? And yet you want God to do something, and God wants to do something. You know what God said? Turn that individual over to me. I can deal with them, huh? and I can deal with them the way that they need to be dealt with. How about your friends? Your friends are all right as long as they agree with you, but when they disagree with you. That's when the sparks fly. Those are people problems. And you're going to have them. We all are going to have young people up in the, in the balcony. You're going to have people problems. When I was your age, I had people problems. You say, preacher, what did you do? You don't want to know what I did. Huh? And I'm not going to tell you what I did. But I had people problems. And I had to deal with them. And, uh, you know, Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, there's a way to handle all situations. Turn back to uh, Philippians chapter 4. I love what he uh, told the, uh, the church at Philippi. He 
He said in verse number 5, he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. You know what he was saying when he was saying, let your moderations be known to all men. Let your patience and let your gentleness be known to all men. How can someone see your patience when you're yelling and screaming? Huh? How can someone see uh, 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 our gentleness when we're, when, when we're yelling and screaming at the top of our lungs? You know what's bad, church? You know what's bad? When the neighbors across the street know more about what's going on in your house than you do. How do they know, pastor? They can hear it. Huh? Oh, but pastor, they know that we are Christians. Yes, you walk out of the house every Monday, every Sunday morning with a Bible under your arm. You walk out every Sunday night with a Bible under your arm. You walk out every Wednesday night with a Bible under your arm. And you come back Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and sometimes Saturday. And the neighbors hear it. And you know what they say? Oh, my goodness. I thought they were good Christians. Huh? I thought they were a blessing to their church. Huh? Huh? Come on, church. Come on. Listen to me. People problems. Don't try to solve people problems. Turn them over to the Lord. Turn them over to the Lord. What are some other problems that you have? Let me give you some more. Now, I'm just going to give you some of the ones that I've had. Huh? I've had those why me problems. Anybody ever have one of those why me problems? Lord, why does it always seem that, that this happens to me? Why does it always seem that it happens to me right around this time? Huh? Why does it seem that it always seems that my car breaks down right at the time when I'm supposed to go to church? Huh? Why does it seem that my children always have problems when I'm trying to serve God? Why do they always call me when I'm trying to get a nap? My daughter, 30 years of age, bless her heart, is notorious for that, Brother Bloom. I'm trying to take a nap. Ding, ding. Hi, Daddy. Hi, sweetheart. What's up? Oh, nothing. Then what do you call for? <laughs> I just want to talk to you, Daddy. Then she really makes me feel guilty. She gets me under conviction. She said, just want to tell you that I love you all. Uh, now you feel like a heel. Uh, but then she started to tell me that she had a, then she started to tell me about some of the problems. But daddy, I just want to ask you this. But daddy, I just want to ask you that. Daddy, how should I handle this? I said, sweetheart, I was trying to take a nap. Huh? I've got to go to church. I've got to preach in less than an hour. But dad, I'm not going to take up much of your time. You've already been talking 40 minutes. And I said, sweetheart, wait a minute, there's a way to solve that problem. She said, Daddy, I don't know how to solve it. I said, of course you do. Don't you still know how to pray? Huh? I said, Paul says here in, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, look what he says. Look, uh, look what he says. Uh, he said, let your moderation be known uh, to all men. Why? The Lord is at hand. That means God is only a prayer away. Fall on your face and talk to him. I want you to understand something, church. God can do a whole lot more with people. God can do a whole lot more with your problems than I can. Huh? Oh, I'm going to listen to them. Your pastor's going to listen to them. And so forth. Others are going to listen to them. But the man that can solve the problem, the man that can handle the problem, your heavenly father said, cast your cares upon me. Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 31. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Huh? He said, I will give you rest. 
I want to help you. I don't want you to be stressed out. I don't want you to be burdened. I want to solve those are problems that I never intended for you to solve. He said, cast them on me. Those why me problems, why does it always happen to me? Some of you have had those. Some of you are going to have some more. But I want you to understand something. God is only, it's only a prayer away when those problems come. Then there's something else that, uh, that uh, Paul said uh, here to, to the church at, at Philippi. He said, uh, look with me at, uh, at verse number 6. He said, be careful for nothing. You know what he was saying? Don't worry about the things that you can't solve. Don't worry. Don't get burdened down about the problems that you, that you uh, cannot solve. You say, but pastor, the problem is there. The problem is there as long as you allow it to be there. Because if I give a problem to the Lord, guess whose problem it becomes then? His. His. Pastor, are you going to work? Why am I going to work with someone else's problem? Why am I going to work with someone else's problem? Why am I going to work with God's problem? If he can't solve it, I surely can't. And yet, church, what do we do? We worry, we worry, and we worry. And what does, it, what does the worrying do? It affects your spirituality. It affects your spirituality. Pastor, how does it affect your spirituality? First of all, the problems or the cares begin to pile up. Then you begin to become fearful. And as the, the cares pile up, the, the, the fear begins to build up, the stress begins to mount up, and soon you're, you're ready to give up. And when you get ready to give up, you're ready to explode like dynamite. Because... You've tried to handle something that God never intended for you to handle. What other problems, Pastor, uh, do we, fi- we, we have problem with? Distractions. How many times in the course of a day, in the course of a week, do you find yourself being distracted? And you're not the only person that ever tried to serve God that got distracted. Hmm. Remember one, one day or one afternoon, the Lord Jesus Christ told the apostles to get in a ship and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And in the fourth watch of the night, the ship got caught in a, in a storm. Huh? The winds were beating and so forth, and uh, the waves were coming over in the boat. And the Lord Jesus Christ saw it. He came walking to them on the water. Huh? And the Bible said when they saw him walking, they thought he was a spirit, and they cried out with fear. Huh? And he said, fear not, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. He said, come on. Come on. And what happened? You know the story. He walked, he stepped down out of the boat and started to walk to the Lord on the water. And all at once, he had the best eyes that was ever created because he saw the wind. He saw, I've always felt the effects of the wind. But the Bible said he saw the wind that it was boisterous. He had mighty good eyes. He was distracted, and when he got distracted, he began to sink. Can I say tonight, when you get distracted spiritually, you begin to sink. You take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you begin to sink because of distractions. You take your eyes off the author and finisher of your faith. You believe, hey, listen, uh, 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 what's going on? This isn't supposed to happen. It wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. You wouldn't have gotten distracted. And it's a sad occasion when you said, 
Lord, I got distracted. Please save me. He said, come on. Come on. He stretched out his hand and he lifted him up and got him back in the boat. I wonder tonight how many of you have gotten distracted. I wonder tonight how many of you, because something happened, because an unexpected bill came in the mail, and it said, if you don't pay it by a certain time, we're going to turn off your electricity. In this hot weather, you don't want that turned off. You don't want to miss your air conditioning. Pastor, I'm not talking about you. Pastor's air conditioner without a couple of days in his office. He knows what it's like, what Florida weather is like with no air conditioning. Or maybe you get a report from the doctor. And that report might not be favorable. And you stop thinking about everything that God has done for you. Everything that God has promised you. And you start thinking about and being distracted by that, that, uh, that unfavorable doctor's report. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? What can you do about the report? Huh? Nothing. Huh? So why are you going to worry about it? Take the, take the report to the Lord. Tell the Lord, this is what's happened. Lord is in your hand now. If you want me to continue, Lord, you deal with whatever this report is. But Lord, until such time, I'm going to be me. Huh? I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to win souls to Christ. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. But pastor, you got a problem there. There's a knot there. There's a lump there. There's something growing there. So what? I can't stop it. I'm not a surgeon. I can't cut it out. If I could, I couldn't cut it on myself anyway. I wouldn't. Huh. I'm one of those big guys that are even afraid of a needle. Huh? I'd rather for a man come after me with a hatchet than a needle. Huh? <laughs> My wife laughed one day. Uh, uh, I was called to the, to the hospital. My, I had a brother who had non-Hopkins lymphoma, and they wanted to give him a bone marrow transplant. And uh, he wanted his brothers and things to be tested to see who had a blood that would match his. Well, I knew before he even asked me that I would be the one that would have it. (laughs) I knew before he even asked me, I said, brother, you don't have to worry. I don't have to be tested. I got it. He said, no, brother, you got to be tested anyway, and so forth. And I think they look for like four out of six things in your blood to be a perfect match. I had six out of six. The only difference in my brother and me is I had allergies and he didn't. I called him back. I said, man, you're not going to believe this. I said, I, I tested six out of six. And so forth. He said, really? I said, yeah. And, but he turned it down. He turned it down. I said, okay. I still got it. But you said, what are you saying? The nurse came to me and she said, sir, I got to take se- uh, several vials of blood out of your arm. And I said, how do you plan on doing that? <laughs> my wife was there. My daughter was there. They thought it was hilarious. I think some of you think it's hilarious. I didn't think it was hilarious. You sat there with that lady come to you with a needle that long. Uh, at least it looked that long. And she said, she said, well, I've got to take this needle. I'm going to put this band around your arm and uh, then I'm going to put a needle right there. I said, a needle? And she said, well, that's the only way I can get it out. I said, Lord, help me. Huh? And my wife, she was laughing hysterical. My daughter, she was standing there, Daddy, it's going to be all right. Then you let her stick your arm. Huh? Daddy, it's not going to hurt. How do you know what's going to hurt me? But she, she, she stuck the arm. Got about three vials of blood 
And I don't know what she did with them because she didn't send them to the right place. She called me back a week later and said, you got to come back again. I said, oh, no. I said, oh, no. But I survived it. I survived it. When I was working for the federal government, same thing, every year you had to have a physical. And they had to take your blood and see, you know, the condition. I said, man, my blood is the same way it was last year. You don't need any more. Huh? And poor Mrs. Samuels, he sent his nurse in and said, Miss Samuels, said, go in and take, go in and take uh, Mr. Titus's blood. And she came and I said, Miss Samuels, turn the air conditioner on, open the windows and so forth and give me a recliner. And she said, why? She said, you're not going to faint. I said, not as long as I'm in that recliner. <laughs> huh? She said, if you faint, we can't get you off the floor. I said, I told you, give me a recliner. And my wife is doing the same thing now she was doing then. Oh, you big baby, you big sissy, I don't care. Well, give me a pacifier, I don't like needles. <laughs> but you're going to have distraction problems. Some of those distractions are cares that will keep you from serving God. You're going to have circumstance problems. I believe, Pastor, as a pastor, we have heard of every circumstance can possibly happen. Huh? How about the one of the lady who buys the cat? I know you've heard of that one. Lady went out and bought a cat. It was an outside cat, and she had mice and things running around the foundation of her home. She bought a cat. She loved that stupid thing. Huh? One day, she, that, that, that cat caught a mouse. Huh? That's what cats are supposed to do. They're supposed to catch mice. Sometimes they catch them and they eat them. Sometimes they play with them. Well, hers decided to play with the stupid thing. It was a Wednesday night. She's supposed to be coming to church. And she said, Pastor, I'm not going to come to church tonight. Why? My Pastor, it is so cute. My cat just caught a mouse. And she's out here in front of the yard playing with it. Oh, Pastor, you ought to see it. I don't want to see it. I want you in church. Circumstances will keep you out of church if you allow it to. Huh? And Brother Bloom, I think I've heard every excuse as to why some people miss service, Sunday night services, Sunday morning services, and Wednesday night services. And it always has to do with a circumstance. Hmm? Something happened. Pastor, you're not going to believe it. Don't tell me. Huh? You don't think I'm going to believe it? Don't tell me. Huh? Something else. Other cares that you need that you need to be concerned with, events. We're living in an event crazy world. It used to be a time in our area, a pastor. Used to be a time in our area that all the little league games, baseball, softball, soccer, all of those games was played on Thursdays and Saturdays. Now they're played on Wednesday nights and Sundays. And our parents, what are they doing? Oh, I want to see Johnny hit the home run. Johnny strikes out every time. I, I want to see Johnny kick, 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 kick the goal and so forth, and Johnny go to kick the ball and fall flat on his back. You miss church for that? And then now they have it so that uh, all the events, the little fellows are playing soccer and baseball and football and basketball and whatever, and the little girls are cheerleading. They're cheerleading. Still of having them in church. I had one family that joined my church. I had a young man. He was, he was good at baseball. 
And he would tell me, he said, Pastor, he said he's playing a game this afternoon. He said, but I would like to see him play. Is there a church in the area that we can go to? One of the only men that ever did that in my church in 26 years. Huh? He said, and if the game isn't over, by the time this 6 or 7 o'clock service starts, I will have the coach to pull him out and we're going to church. Huh? He said, we're well, not going to miss church. And can I tell you something? That young man was in my wife's Sunday school class. And he would tell her, he said, Mrs. Titus, I'm going to the ball game, but we're not going to miss the afternoon service. We're going to be there. He said, I'm not going to allow an event to keep me out of church. He said, I don't care if we lose the game. Now, that's my kind of man. That's my kind of boy. But that was my kind of dad, too. They said, we're not going to miss church for an event. But how many, how many Christians will miss church because of an event for 26 years my family I love them dearly my biological family have decided that they were going to have a family reunion on a Sunday on a Sunday seven days in the week and they're going to pick Sunday brother are you coming never but mama's getting older. My mother's 95 years old. She is getting older. But if she thinks I'm going to miss church to come to a family reunion, she got another thought coming. Church is the Lord's day. Amen. Church is the day I take the pulpit. Church is the day I speak for God. Church is the day I do what God has called me to do. And I'm not going to allow anything to stop it. They would tell me, oh, can't you just miss one Sunday? I'm not going to miss any Sundays if I can help it. Amen. Events. Events. You know what I do first thing Monday morning? I'd go by and say, Mom, how was the family reunion? She said, Oh, son, it was nice. We missed you. I said, Okay, did you save me any food? She said, I think there may be something around here. I said, Good, that's all I need to know. I said, Was everybody at the reunion doing well? She said, Well. In other words, church, I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything. I miss seeing some of my relatives that are overweight. They were overweight the last time I saw them. <laughs> they miss seeing me. I was overweight the last time they saw me. <laughs> don't you just love it when they're walking up? Oh, you look so nice. No, I don't. I'm about 150 pounds overweight. <laughs> and guess what? So are you. I don't need to go to a family reunion for that. Distractions and events. But church, you know what God said? I never intended for you to be bothered with all of that. Put God first. Paul said in Colossians, he should have the preeminence in our lives. Church, let me just say something to you tonight. The God that I serve has been better to me than I've been to me. You think I'm going to put something else before him? Preacher, have a cup of rocks. I don't have him in my head. He's going to save him for maybe tomorrow night or something. God has been good to me. God has bailed me out more than I care to mention. And so you think I'm going to allow something, some distraction or some event or something to come between me and my God now. Now, so Paul said, listen. He said, cast all your cares upon the Lord. Now, there are some things that God is going to allow you to have to deal with. And I can understand that. But that unnecessary stuff that you are dealing with, that unnecessary problems, listen, no doubt tonight someone is sitting right here listening to me 
and you are dealing with the most important question or the most important thing in your life, and you're trying to deal with it. And that is, am I saved or am I lost? Huh? Have I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? You're dealing with that. Huh? And you're trying to figure out how I can save myself. Can I tell you something? You can't. You try to work your way to heaven. You try to merge your way to heaven. Hey, listen, you're not going to make it. Huh? You can't. You can't do enough work. Hey, listen, no one in this church can work their way into heaven, even though that's what the mass religious crowd out there is saying. Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God, uh, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, 89. You can't work your way there. How do I get there? By agreeing with God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's, not none, there's none righteous, no, not one. If God said you're a sinner, why do you say you're not? Huh? If God, tell, God has already said what you are. So why are you going to say, well, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> Bless God. I thank God might have made a mistake. No, you made the mistake. Then God tell you something else in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God commended or God showed you just how much he loved you. How? By going to that old rugged cross of Calvary, dying on that cross for your sins. But pastor, are you trying to tell me that all I've got to do is, is repent of my sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, believe that he died for my sins, uh, so forth, and rose again for my justification? Is that you telling me that's what I have to do? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Pastor, how can you say that? That's what your Bible says. By the way, I hope you have one. Uh, because if you have one, I can tell you where to look find those scriptures. When God said in Ecclesiastes, he said, there's not, uh, there's not a, a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sin not. Do you know what God was saying? That's you. That's me. Huh? And there are some cares that you are carrying around uh, in your life or in your heart or in your mind that you shouldn't be. And it's stopping you from being what God wants you to be. It's stopping you from doing what God wants you to do. And church, deep down inside, it's probably stopping revival from coming. Hmm? Your mind is on everything except the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, how do we deal with that? Let me give you four questions to ask yourself, and I'll be finished. Four questions to ask yourself. And while you're asking yourself, you ask the Holy Spirit of God to reveal to me what the right answer is. First of all, question number one. Am I living my life in constant anxiety or worry, or am I truly trusting in God? Am I truly trusting in God? Am I living my life constantly uh, in anxiety or worry, or am I really trusting in God? When I have a problem, do I really trust God, or do I worry about it? Do I worry about it? I can answer for most, we worry. Question number two. Am I constantly worried about things over which I have no control? Am I constantly worried about things over which I have no control? Thirdly, what three things over which at this moment do I find myself being stressed? What three things in my life at this moment am I stressed over? Can you think of three things? Preacher, I can't think of three things. Can you think of one? Huh? 
Three would be nice, but can you think of one? If you are stressed over one thing that God does not want you stressed over, you're stressed over too many. You're stressed over too many. Question number four. Have I really cast my cares upon the Lord and left them there? Or have I just introduced them to them and took them back to my seat with me? Let me sum it up. If you answered yes to either one of the four, you need to find your way to the altar, to the invitation. If you answered yes to all four, you need to get up now and come. Huh? If you answered yes to all four, you said why? Because you have not cast your cares on the Lord. And I can tell you why. Because you haven't humbled yourself to the point of saying, I'm going to trust God with this. And not labor over it myself. Church, I want to see revival here. I'd love to see it back in Maryland. But I'm preaching a revival for you down here. And I'd love to see what God can do here in Ocala, Florida. I know what he would like to do here. But something is stopping him from doing it. The same revivals, the Holy Spirit filled revivals that he sent years ago. He is still capable of sending them. Something is stopping him. Somebody is stopping him. Because revival starts with the individual, not with the mass. Starts with an individual. And maybe God is saying tonight, cast your cares on me. Bring them to the altar. Huh? Cast them on me. Leave them at the altar. And tomorrow, you'll see a new you. You'll see a new you. You said, why? Because as I said, fear is going to lead to stress. And church is going to cause you to want to give up. It'll cause you to want to give up. And by the grace of God, If God has been as good to you as he's been to me, there's one thing you can't do, and that's give up on him. Because he hasn't given up on you. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know whether you're struggling with distractions or circumstances or events or people or whatever. I don't know what it is. But I know who does. There's two people in this building tonight who knows exactly what you're dealing with. That's you and the Holy Spirit of God. He said, I've come to help you. I've come to help you. Have you come to allow me to help you? Him, that is not me. We're going to have our invitation. We have our invitation. I'm going to ask the pianist to take the piano. I'm going to ask you why you're sitting there to bow your head and close your eyes. But no one looking around. <laughs>